You should record <laughs> counting down and then send it into him and be like, if you want to make this better, just it, insert this audio. <laughs> it almost like increases anxiety or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's like the photographer or something that's going to say like uh, on on three, like knowing that's when like people are going to blink. <laughs> you know, yeah. If they just took it, like just just take a bunch of shots. It's all good. Yeah, they go on three, one. Two and then your eyes are just on fire, <laughs> and and your and your face is cramping from trying to smile. It's too much anticipation. There's no no countdown necessary unless it's like like the rocket. Like if you're launching, let's do a countdown. <laughs> if it's a live rocket, yeah, maybe that justifies a countdown. But uh, but man, could you imagine that though? Have you seen the movie Armageddon? No, it's it's old, but uh. <laughs> it's like these uh um normal like people that are going up <laughs> sounds really stupid now that I'm gonna say it but <laughs> but anyway just uh uh picture picture the guy he's like sitting in the rocket like they're getting ready to launch you know and he's like uh yeah he's like you know whatever like eight billion dollar rocket you know made by like the lowest bidder like what could go wrong <laughs> you know or something, mm. something as they're like counting down the the launch that yeah. would be a crazy thing like you're you imagining a launch into space in imagine being three. in that rocket and they're counting down and like I the last count one blew up 60 <laughs> oh damn yeah so it's like this super long anticipation i love it you know, uh, Dwight Dwight Schrute. I I always forget his real name. Oh, is that Rain, Rain Wilson? Rain Wilson. Yeah, I think it Rain is, yeah. Wilson. Um, he's got a a documentary. I think it's like six episodes or something like that, and it's based on a a book of a previous guest I had on the podcast, Eric Weiner. He wrote this book, Geography of Bliss. I don't know if I've mentioned uh, it here before, but pretty cool. Uh, Rain is actually going to visit all of these places and interviewing these people. And the first episode that I saw was on Iceland. And it, it, it's so interesting how they're talking about all these things that essentially show up in wisdom traditions. You know, as he's like interviewing people about these like mottos and proverbs and sayings that are in their culture. You know, it's all stuff from like Taoism, Buddhism, Stoicism, stuff like that, that um, it makes me think that, man, culture is really important of these things of like, I'm sure um, you you've talked about growing up in Canada and kind of in some of these smaller like fishing communities where I'm sure there was something that was going on in that culture whether you wanted it to or not, that influences, you know, how you think today, probably. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, I think, I think this gets down to just the humility of 
what would you call it? Because it's not it's not poverty. That's a strong word, but just just um, these smaller communities where there's not a lot of money, but there's everyone's okay. Everyone has shelter. Everyone has food. Everyone has clothing. But like, if you were to look at like the net wealth of everyone in there, the average is probably pretty damn low. Mm. But there's something about just being in like a grounded community with not like a lot of excess money, you know, like nobody was showing off, you know, I never, never really saw that. I saw it on TV, but never really saw anyone showing off. And so I think that had something to do with it too. It's just, you know, I think as you get into cities, you have people that have more money, like the the disparity between uh, of wealth between the wealthiest person and the unwealthiest person is high. You start to have homeless people. You don't have homeless people in, in communities because if there's a homeless person, somebody knows that person and they're going to give them a bid, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the the bigger the bigger your group becomes, the le- the more detached you get. I think from from nature and from reality, and I think at the heights of that, you have people in cities who literally turn on their water tap but have no idea where it comes from they don't know how the dam works they don't know that it's even filtered like it's just this magic you know you talk about magic and <laughs> harry potter and stuff but like magic to me it exists it's it's something that you don't understand that's happening and um so yeah i don't know i, I think uh, i think the smaller i think like a small group is actually good even though we all feel like we need a million followers and we need so many friends and we need this and that it's like you, you really don't you need a, you need a, you need like a couple good friends a few good friends and you need a community around you where you you know people and there's reciprocity there right. yeah it seems like you need some sort of um i want to say maybe you'd call them proverbs or maxims as well you know, I think about my time in the, the military, which is like, you know, my whole adult life, really. There's a lot of these, you know, maxims that are part of the particular culture and tradition. Um, it made me think about it. There's a new, a new book, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog. And um, I can't remember the guy's name who, who wrote it. But um, he's written a, a number of kind of popular, popular books and stuff like that. And um, it's it's basically, I think there's like 21 chapters, but they're all built on these kind of timeless maxims that show up, uh, you know, across the different branches and stuff like that. But in that documentary um, in Iceland, you know, like talking to all of these different people, you know, rains going around and you know, interviewing these different people and just having the casual conversations. But this thing of just being adaptable and being resilient, they might all say it. And there's, I can't remember how they say it, but there's one particular um, kind of proverb that they all know. Um, But they all essentially kind of put it in their own, in their own words. But how valuable that is. Like if you're growing up in some sort of, place where everyone knows, you know, some sort of wise maxim about being adaptable and being resilient. Um, man, that, that's gotta be, 
there's got to be something to that, something that you hear many, many, many times. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, and of course, I would use the word strength. You know, I think I think strength is strength is very important, and uh, I don't know if we if we have a maxim quite like that that would refer to change uh, or resiliency. You know, I mean, like there's there's lots of maxims that kind of reflect the dichotomy of control. Like uh, you can't control the weather. Um, it is what it is kind of thing. And, and those are incredibly valuable too. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we have, like, do you have one? Do we, is there like a, is there an Americanized version of this that I'm not thinking of? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm sure. I mean, there's many, you could say like these, uh, and, what we're going to chat a little bit about today is this uh, commencement speech by David Foster Wallace, like titled, this is water. And uh, something he says in there is like, yeah, <laughs> these like cliches are annoying <laughs> and things like that. But there is a deep wisdom in a way to some of these cliches and some of these uh, common um you know, sayings, if, if you will. Um, I know there's one that comes to mind that Lincoln famously told in a speech that he gave, and he told it in a little story of how this king basically asked these four people, these four like wise people to come up with uh, basically a universal truth that was always, you know, some big, big T truth. And they came back with, this too shall pass. And he was giving this speech and he was kind of using this um, lesson, um, you know, obviously after the Civil War and this thing of, you know, rebuilding the country and bringing people together that, you know, this too shall pass. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of them. You know that, but it, it's weird over here in the West. Like we're such a young country compared to um, many others in a way. Obviously, there's always been people essentially on every every plot of land, but in the way of uh, you know America and things like that, in the, in the West, much younger than a place like Iceland or somewhere. Well, I think that's where we're lacking is because we've we've not wrongly so focused so much on on rights based ethics right like what your rights are as a human being human rights uh, freedom of speech we focus so much on that but uh we're missing in the west a, a deep conversation about about virtue about virtue ethics about what is right and, and what is wrong i mean you know you look at something like like stoicism or even even like the the philosophy aspect of something like christianity it's like the fact that we're not going over that in in school in high school at some stage Man, like I, I don't know. Like you, you, you're just you're completely like. There's so many people that are completely detached from any sort of 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 way of life, from any philosophical thinking. Like they're kind of just in this in this in this mode of being where they they don't even think about things like, you know, maybe I can change my perspective on this and I'll suffer less. And and that's not to say that that's easy, but the fact that a lot of people don't even recognize they can do that. And it, it's very, um, I think it speaks to a failure of our culture 
it's like the, the the virtue ethics is kind of assumed to be ingrained into you by your family and your immediate community and uh and i i don't know i, I don't think i don't think that's good enough i think i think maybe we can do a better job of that but who knows i mean it's a complicated problem to fix right yeah it is i wanted to chat with you about that once we maybe um get towards the end of this uh this speech by by wallace of this thing of attention you know it's like being here now which you know another piece of universal wisdom if if you will shows up across every, every tradition but in the way of um like you're talking about like virtue ethics it doesn't necessarily mean like that you're going to be virtuous and um i don't know it seems like maybe we we miss that or something or we assume that cultivating like we don't necessarily think it seems and i'm speaking for myself as well that the virtue like learning about virtue like becoming you know cultivating character we don't necessarily think about that in the same way as other disciplines, like a discipline of like you as an engineer, like you're going to go to school, you know, you went to school for four years to learn how to be an engineer. And like even someone that gets a bachelor's degree in philosophy, you're going to cover many, many different things. It's not just going to be on, you know, virtue ethics. There are some people that obviously specialize in that at the PhD level and, and teach that, but unbelievably difficult. I remember hearing uh, somewhat recently of like, say the person that becomes the next Buddha, you know, that this person that comes to understand their mind, you know, able to be in this present moment, if they didn't know anything about physics or engineering or anything like that before that, they're not going to know it, you know, after that. So it, it makes it a difficult thing of this task of cultivating attention and cultivating character. Like how are you going to use that, that ability, that mindfulness, whatever you might call it to, you know, do, do good. Yeah, I've been thinking a bit about attention lately as well. So it was kind of funny when you brought up that speech and he he actually brought up attention because I guess I've been, well, I heard Sam Harris on uh, Modern Wisdom recently and uh, yeah, he was talking obviously a lot about attention. I think you like Sam Harris probably a lot more than I do. I'm not a huge fan, but I, I did really like him in this podcast episode and he was talking about just just what you said there where, you know, <laughs> Like you become, you be, awareness is not necessarily tied with improving your character, right? It's just, it's like this, this, it's being able to kind of haul yourself out of the water and realize where you are and just be attentive to things that are around you that are really probably wonderful, probably beautiful, maybe some not so much, but that you're just taking for granted. You know, I was watching that episode while I was driving. And so I tried to practice that a little bit, right? And I, I just I would I I pause the podcast and I just like look at the sunset or look at the look at the country as I'm as I'm driving by, 
and just take a minute to really appreciate that. I mean, it was raining uh, quite a bit that day. So there were like rainbows all over the place. And, you know, I started thinking about that, like, man, that's, that's crazy. There's like, there's all these, there's this ray of different colors that just are into the sky and we have no idea how tall it is. And if we didn't have science, like, what the hell is that? Like, it's such an amazing thing of, of nature, right? It's, it's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, you have all these different colors in a ray, you know, is, is God coming? You like, what do you make of it? Right. And, and I think that's what he's getting at is, is important to recognize, but, but that that's not necessarily to your point tied with development of, of character because awareness is, is, is just awareness and attention is just, it's just attention. It's just being, being present in that moment. But, but you need, you know, it's like realizing you're in a boat, but you're, you're, you're that doesn't necessarily mean you're moving. Like you could be in a boat and you're just still. And the, the trick is to figure out how do we, how do we realize where we are right now? If we're in this boat, how do we know if we're moving forward? How do we know if we're moving backward or we're, or we're stagnant? And, and if we're not moving forward, how do we actually initiate that and move forward so it's a very complicated thing for sure but um yeah i don't know his david wallace's speech was 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 quite insightful in that but i think i need to watch it a couple more times yeah yeah i'm a fan of uh the waking up app and and sam harris talks quite a bit of about that like he does these conversations and there's lots of lots of wisdom on uh the waking up app there's many different contributors that are that are on there. Um, but one of the questions he asked many people for the conversations on there is he asks about, you know, how do you make sense of the fact of some of these gurus, some of these people throughout history that have had, you know, real experiences, real insights um, around the nature of mind and all this stuff behaving, you know, essentially extremely unethical. So I, I appreciate the fact of, of him focusing on um, ethics, if you will, you know, at the same time. Um, and it's, uh, you know, how sometimes we think about like in the way of philosophy or whatever it is. And, and sometimes we talk of like, you know, what is the project? And, um, obviously it's important to be as clear as possible. Like what road are we heading down? You know, what is this particular, you know, project, but it's sometimes it's difficult to, and maybe limiting to, to get so clear that you miss that it's maybe multiple projects, you know, it's this and it's that. And, and you can maybe say it many different things. And I, I know I've, uh, repeat myself too, too often on some of these things, but in the way of, you know, it's, it's wisdom and love, you know, and it's like some of these different things of the importance of an and between, uh, between many things, but I made some notes through this, um, um, this speech right here. I, uh, I was going to uh, pull out a few quotes, but I ended up pulling out like way more than that. Like, I think it's so good. And, uh, uh, it could be a, a bit of an introduction to the, to the listeners and we can put a, put a link to, to read and, and give it a listen. Um, but he opens up famously. I think many people have probably heard this thing. He says there, 
there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? And obviously, I mean, it's it's kind of what you were talking about. Um, it's like these things are not like as obvious, like that rainbow. Sometimes you just, there's so many things that you just don't necessarily see. And he says the point of the fish story is, is merely that the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. Um, and I, I think in some way, like the virtue thing falls on that. It's like, well, yeah, we know what that is. Like courage, justice, wisdom, temperance. Yeah, we, we know what those are and what those look like. Um, but yeah, in a way, that's that's a mistake. Like, yeah, we kind of know. And it's really unbelievably complicated and challenging to put them into practice into daily life and then to understand when we miss the mark why I mean, it's just uh and maybe we've had lots of lots of conversations on that but i don't know it seems like that connects in a way with with many things even even virtue at least how i'm thinking about it yeah i would agree i think what he talks about a little bit later there too to kind of reference that is like we get in these modes of being in our lives where it's just day in, day out. And a lot of times it feels like we're we're trapped. You know, and I've I've been in this before and I'm not now, thankfully. And just I just I just have a great job that I love and and good people in my life, but but I've I I know that feeling of of the grind and not the grind in a good way, but just that you know, you're, you're Monday to Friday, eight to five, and then you try and get to the gym, you know, most nights. And then, you know, you got to get groceries and that hour that you wanted to, to watch the office or whatever you wanted to watch at the end of the night, like that's gone. So like you get in this grind and then Saturday comes and you're sleeping on Saturday and, you know, you go to the gym and then Sunday you get the Sunday blues. And it's like, you just feel like you're on this wheel. And it's, it's very, you know, he's talking about being these fish being in this water and just like, what the hell is water? And I think, I think sometimes that, that routine, when it's not something that, that really fulfills us, I think that routine is just, it's, it's soul killing. Like it's, it's literally soul killing. And, you know, part of, part of that awareness, I think, and, and, and people have these moments, part of this awareness is like, holy shit, I'm in water. Like, look, like, you know how hard it is for people to admit that they don't like their job, how hard it is for people to admit that maybe the person that, that they're romantically with is not the right person for them. You know, how hard it is for them to admit that the sport they've been doing for five years no longer fulfills them. Like, these are really hard things. And, and I think what he, what he referenced later is that, that we get into these routines and these habits that soul kill us and, and like we're just we just don't even we don't even know anymore we're, we're like we're just on this treadmill and it keeps going and going and going and all we can do is walk because if we stop walking we're going to be flat on our face and and so that that's that's a very scary place to contemplate and most people i think would find their way 
to that phase in, in, in some capacity in their life. Um, but I guess the first step out of that is, is awareness. So what do you think? Does that relate at all? Yeah. And he says like, in a way this is, I don't know. I, I, I tend to appreciate some of these people that are very direct. I mean, he's very direct in this and, and pointing to eternal truths, um, Anthony DeMello, like an author I like is, you know, has this very kind of straightforward delivery of, of things. And I, I appreciate that. And I mean, he says he's, he's not necessarily like trying to inspire anybody and it might not be, you know, like other commencement speeches, but, but what's the inspiring spin on that? Like, I mean, it does seem that they're, there is an inspiring spin of this, uh, like, you know, what the hell is water? Maybe you could say like, you know, well, what, what the hell is life? You know? And he says, it's like life routine, but you know, what is life all about? Like, it doesn't necessarily like we, we've had conversations on the meaning of life, which some listeners may have heard and stuff like that, which is like, in a way, sometimes it's like this big question, but can't there be a small question around that? You know, like, well, what's what's life about? Um, and I don't know. In a way, it, it seems like uh, I'm not exactly sure my point, but it, it's something along the lines of there is something inspiring about like if you can catch yourself, like he says, um, you know, oftentimes uh, like liberal arts education, you know, learning how to think and stuff like that. And he says like, well, you already know how to think, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> you like applied to the school, like you got in, you're graduating. But, it, you know, I said it's rather a choice of what to think about. Um, and in the way of... Uh, like say some of that, like the soul killing aspects like he calls in the thing, like this life routine, you know, the very mundane aspects of life. But in the way of like what to think about, like there's literally rainbows in the sky at times. And there's literally like, you know, it's, but the, it's such a difficult thing because now it's like both of those are true, though. Like there are, I mean, he talks about, you know, it's not necessarily like, it's not necessarily big T truth that it's soul killing in a way, right? Like it's like that's a subjective perception, but that might be how it makes you feel. And then it's, you know, like what's the... How do we think about, you know, like what to think about? I don't know. I, I find it a, a challenging like dance there. Well, he, he kind of ends with this idea that we, we can have a bit more compassion and empathy for those around us as yeah. a way to get rid of some of that mundaneness. And I can't remember if he would, if he brought up at all, like, like what we were talking about, recognizing nature and the, the miraculous thing. I mean, man, I was uh, the same drive 
it gets dark and I have about two hours to drive in the dark and the moon is huge. And I was thinking about that. Like, what do you mean there's this circle in the sky that just goes around? It only comes out at night. It's got these weird spots on it. It changes in size. Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, this is just so mind boggling. If you can just take take yourself out of whatever you're whatever it is you're doing and just recognize that. And I think this is an idea that Emerson talks about, which I love, is that, you know, maybe this idea that Jesus performed miracles and that, you know, there's this there's this divine aspect that that can do things that aren't natural. And Emerson challenges that by saying, well, like what if what if just the fact that like a human being can give birth to another human being. What if that is actually a miracle and we're just we're we're just so caught up in in how regular that is that we don't take a minute to accept that that actually is a miracle. I mean think about that. That's crazy. Like you have this your belly grows for 9 months and then out comes a human being. Like that's that's insane. It's so it's so miraculous. And we take these things for granted all the time and 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 what's crazy about this for me, and I know you'll you'll agree with this, is that if you actually sit down and, and take a minute to realize how many of those miraculous things you're missing, and how many moments, if if you sat down and you looked at your day, it's like I could have taken a moment to look at the sun. I could have looked at the stars tonight. I could have looked my partner in the eyes and and had, you know, a, a good connection there. You know, I could have recognized the the engineering prowess of this computer device that's doing all this work for me like like it's just it's infinite there's so many things to be amazed by and 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 ultimately grateful for and and maybe that maybe that i don't know if he if he used the word gratitude at all but i certainly think that there's a message there that you know you can recognize that in the mundaneness there is something that's actually quite miraculous like let let me play the skeptic a bit. Like, how is that not toxic positivity or something like that? Yeah, I mean, great point. Um, toxic pos- positivity. <laughs> toxic positivity. It's like a it's like a buzzword. And uh, have you heard that before? Yeah, I have, but but not not a whole lot. Uh, most of my toxic toxicity <laughs> thoughts were, or would be like toxic masculinity, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, but the toxic positivity, I mean, in a sense you could, you could say that it is. And I mean, there, there certainly is the case, you know, you and I have made this point before where, yeah, you, you can be too grateful for things because the downside of being too grateful is that, well, if everything in your life is so perfect, why are you going to make anything better? And And I do think that there is uh there's huge value in taking something and 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 valuing valuing it so much that you want to make it better and i would argue that that's actually what love is it's not some you know rush of dopamine it's it's the desire it's the intention to take something that you deem valuable and make it better and so i i think if you're not on that improvement path if you're not trying to improve something in your life I think you end up missing a lot, a lot of joy. And so even though, yes, gratitude plays in deep with this, I think it has to be balanced, not with ingratitude, but just, just, with, just with the knowledge and acceptance that things could be better than they are. And that on that road of making things better is where you actually find genuine joy, as well as gratitude, because gratitude gives you genuine joy as well. So I think it's this balancing act, but I agree, man. Like it can be, it can become 
way too much. Yeah. And it's, and I'm not necessarily saying I, I, um, I think it is, but it, it could be perceived that way. Like from the person that's not necessarily seeing like a bit of the beauty of, of some of these small things. And it's, like I say, it's, it's a choice. And uh, like Wallace talks about that, you know, you, everyone like, yeah, make your choice in terms of uh, what you want to think about. Um, but even the thing of like making something a little bit better, it's like that thing of um, things might be a bit better than I realize. Like they might already be, <laughs> it might already be better than you you know, are perceiving it. And he says, um, you know, the point here is that I think is not so much like teaching how to think or it's to be a little less arrogant. <laughs> you know, it's like to have just a little critical awareness about myself and my, my certainties. And I mean, he's coming from humility, like in this talk for anybody that hasn't heard it. I mean, he's not says, you know, right from the get-go, not not the like the wise old fish and stuff like that. But he's talking from his own experience of like learning the hard way, like learning too too late. And um, you know, and he's predicting that all these young people that will be the same and maybe that's a natural process of, you know, maybe at a there there's some pros to to being, I guess, a bit certain at, at times, you know, to keep you moving and, and doing things. But I don't know, just to be a little less arrogant, like being the point of the education. Yeah. And recognizing one's ignorance. It's, it's, uh, the Socratic idea, you know, of, of, of knowing just how much you don't know. And it's interesting that he tied that in. I actually really loved that because a lot of graduates from university leave university with this big fancy paper and just get into this mode of thought that that you know they've made it and that they they know better than everyone else i'm on a philosophy group in uh, on facebook i don't go on there much but i remember uh, there was a post on there one time and it, it was it was a guy that had a philosophy degree he just graduated with a philosophy degree and he posted and he said something like like one of the hardest things about graduating with a philosophy degree is recognizing that no one else will understand what you understand and that they have to live their life in ignorance, you know? <laughs> and like he got blown apart in the comment section and, and, uh, and rightly so. I mean, people weren't, people weren't rude or anything, but, but they pointed out to him that, dude, if, if you studied philosophy for four years and you came out with, with this ego that, okay, now I know what's going on. And everyone else, man, they're just ignorant. It's like, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. And, and that's the point that, that, that David is making there that is like, you have, to, you have to go through life with the understanding that the piece of the pie that, that you know is so small. And that applies with your interactions with other people. It applies with, with what you're doing at work. Uh, with 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 the projection of your future, with how you think you should raise your kids, it's like everything. You you think you know what you're doing, dude. You you don't. You don't like you know a little bit, and hopefully that's enough to to, to save your ass. 
but there's so much that's just it's under it's under the layer of the ocean and you're not seeing shit all you're seeing is the surface and recognizing that is as you pointed out just a deep form of humility that a lot of university students don't don't graduate with yeah when i look back at uh like my younger years and and really still today you know the level of arrogance i mean it is uh it's it's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> you know. And it's uh, like this awareness thing. He 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 kind of um, sums it up a bit. At least I got towards the end of it. He says uh, like attention, awareness, and discipline. Um, but like to be just a little less arrogant. Like to me, I think about that as like the awareness piece of it, and. Uh, like to the virtue thing, like it is, it's human, it's such a humbling thing to realize that you're a bit less virtuous than you think you are, or maybe quite a bit, or you're maybe even not, maybe to put another way, um, is it's, it's almost not even possible for you to be as virtuous as you would like to be like in the way of this attention and discipline thing and the difficulty of, um, of just embodying anything, you know, that the real challenge of what he's, uh, pointing to, but I really like these three, um, you know, attention, awareness and discipline, you know, all being needed, all essentially kind of working together. Um, you don't, you don't often hear those three together like that. And obviously it ties in with the, with this speech and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I think it's good. How do you, how do you differentiate? I feel like you have a better grasp of this than I do. How do you differentiate between the first two attention and awareness? Well, I mean, in in one way, I could think of like to be just a little less arrogant, that thing. There's a self-awareness of, um, you know, I recently had on the podcast, a Jungian analyst, and we were talking about the shadow. And I mean, we've had many conversations about, I wouldn't even say like the darker sides of ourselves or human nature. Just like an honest look at, you know, what's going on. Like an objective at the end of the day, you sit down with a journal and just like the examine life thing, but in an objective way, not necessarily like trying to rationalize or blame or do anything. Just like a, like if you could go back and watch it, you know, watch the way you know, um, and, uh, and you think it, it ties into another big thing of it, like the thing of, uh, missing things, you know, you miss the rainbow, you miss this and that, you know, other things that we miss is maybe someone that was having a tough day, you know, maybe someone that needed another human being to check on them. You know, you missed a person that 
had a bit of sadness in their eye. You missed someone that was feeling lonely. And he says in it, um, you know, as just one example of our basically kind of wrong thinking, this thing of, you know, arrogant, we're certain all these times. And he just says one example. He says, everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realist, most vivid and important person in existence. And he kind of expounds on it. And he's obviously, I mean, he's saying an extreme thing, you know, to get the point across. But like he's he's right, though, like in the way he's talking about, he he explains how like our own experience like, I don't know your experience from today, or even if we were right side by side, I don't know, like the emotions, the feelings, the the thoughts that you don't actually, you know, say out, out loud. Um, but when it comes to, you know, our ourselves, it's how we just experience our, everything. Um, so it's, you know, obviously transcending this thing and if you think about like something you've said uh oftentimes is thinking about something on a spectrum you know it's like you know we're not all at some sort of extreme you know but there is a tendency we all do have a default setting to think about things from our own perspective like when we go in the grocery store which is a scene he talks about in there you know, I'm not thinking about what other people are getting. I'm thinking about what what I need to get. You know, some of these things are practical, but it's it's just uh, it's important to maybe realize like our own default settings. Yeah, our our default setting is definitely to to see everything through our own lens. <clears throat> it's such a it's such a difficult thing to do because as you pointed out, like we're always in this, in this like egocentric view. It's like, we, we only see things through our eyes and like, I don't, I, I have no idea how, how you sh even structure your thoughts. I don't know. Like when you're thinking something, you know, if you're thinking in words, if you're thinking in images, it's like, there's so many things that we, that we don't know, uh, when it comes to other people. And, um, I, I and I'm really glad that he ended on that note because I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing that you know I think ultimately man at the end of the day and this is a conclusion I'm slowly coming to is that it's it's all about other people it's like it's all about other people like there's there's nothing else there, there's nothing else and Robin Williams who I I liked from a philosophical perspective he he was great and he he made that point as well in in an interview is that it's like enlightenment. It's, it's this, this idea that there's bigger things than you, man. It's like, you're, you're, you got to let go of that ego. It's like, it's, it's gone. And what's, what's truly beautiful about that is yes, it allows you to have a more pleasant life because you're, you're more compassionate and you can be a kinder person, but it also prepares you to die. Because if all you think, if you think that you are the center of the goddamn universe, well, what's going to happen when the center of the goddamn universe dies? But if you have this idea that 
no, like there's, 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 there's things that are bigger than me. There's, there's things that are more important. There's, there's people around me and, and yes, they suffer, but, but they're also happy and they also have a bit of virtue and there's good in there and there's bad in there. And, and you can say that about every single person on the planet earth. If you can, you can have that perspective. I think not only does that allow you to live a better life, but it also allows you to, to die a better death. Mm. You went there with it. <laughs> <laughs> Stoic, no, man. Got to bring in the dying. <laughs> yeah. The, um, it's so, so strange and tragic and it's like heartbreaking in a way. You think of um, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, someone I, I watched for a long time and, and really liked. And, um, same same thing in the way of this David Foster Wallace. He committed suicide. Uh, there's a movie I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I've watched it a couple times on his his life. Some journalist that that goes and interviews him and stays with him for a few days. It's it's worth a worth a watch. But it's a fascinating thing. And this is a this particular speech is is something I I think like similar in a way that like a Robin Williams or an Anthony Bourdain might deliver. It has that same kind of perspective that we're not necessarily um, seeing. And maybe it's not for everybody though. Maybe it's, um, you know, I, I dig it, but maybe it doesn't speak to obviously everyone in that, in the same way, you know, I'm, I'm sure there may be some people that don't get value from it. Um, but it is, a it's a fascinating thing of, um, like someone that has some of these insights in like that discipline thing, that, that third part that he was talking about is a bit about, as I got it from it was, it's like discipline to live, you know, it's like this discipline to to make wiser choices in the way of, you know, how we're thinking about things. And I don't know, it's just endlessly, you know, fascinating and tragic in a way that like some of these people that can kind of see a bit of the truth or I would say kind of like beneath the, like a layer beneath some of these things that have the toughest time doing it, like the toughest time putting it into, into practice in a way, maybe. Yeah. And I, I, I've certainly wondered the same thing because obviously Anthony Bourdain, I didn't know him, you know, I didn't know too much about him, but, uh, but what I do know is I, I think he was a bit of a, a people pleaser and I know Robin Williams was as well. And, and David Wallace, you know, these, these people that, that take that perspective that I just talked about to the extreme where it's like, it's like, it's all about other people. It's all about other people. And I, I, you know, I'm going back on what I just said, but I think there is a flaw in that. And, and because I do think that self-preservation is also vitally important. And, and I, I don't, I don't know why, you know, they, 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 they took their lives. And and maybe it is what you said that that uh, you know Dostoevsky said that the the most intelligent people on earth have great sadness, 
and um and that's that's a very that's a very tragic thing it's like you know is is there a link between between like a like a high intelligence i don't mean like you have a high iq i mean i mean you're you're a dostoevsky you're a nietzsche you're a robin williams like you're you're seeing shit on a really deep level it's like is that is that linked to an inherent just existential load are they are they maybe it's the same thing maybe maybe that deep insight that truth that that deep deep truth is the exact same as that existential load that that often connects you know that 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 there's a connection there um i'm not i'm not sure i mean that's that's a that's a very difficult question but um but it's, it's certainly a curious thing that like you said these insights that are so valuable to all of us yet there's something there's something there's something missing right because obviously they they did what they did yeah yeah and we'll um i wanted to to get your thoughts on a couple passages from uh the myth of sisyphus before we before we wrap up but let let me stay with this uh this final passage here from this commencement speech he says um I know that this stuff probably doesn't sound fun and breezy or grandly inspirational, the way a commencement speech is supposed to sound. What it is, as far as I can see, is the capital T truth with a whole lot of rhetorical niceties stripped away. (laughs) Um, The capital T truth is about life before death. It is about the real value of a real education which has almost nothing to do with knowledge and everything to do with simple awareness, awareness of what is so real and essential, so hidden in plain sight all around us all the time that we have to keep reminding ourselves over and over, this is water, this is water. Um, so, so good. I know you uh, just did an episode on uh, on truth, if I remember right. Um, but I'm I'm curious, like how you how you think about that. Like you know, this is water. Like, should we remind ourselves, you know, all the time? Like, this is this is life. Like, this is <laughs> this is precious. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, what do we what do we do with that in the way of like putting it into, I don't necessarily mean like daily action, but just putting it into life in general. It's challenging. It is. I can only say what, what works for me. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that this works for everyone because I'm, I'm very, I'm very structured and, and conscientious, but, but I, I tend to go through those awareness pieces like periodically so I'm not I'm not always in that. I mean, I try and be as self-aware as I can through life in terms of character development. But you know, I th- I think the the problem with maybe being a little bit too aware is that you don't you don't gain momentum in life. And and you know, just just to give an example, if you go into university and you don't know what you want to do, but let's say, okay, let's say I'm going to try business. You get into business 
and you're very you're very self aware, right? You're 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 feeling what you're feeling about this, and you don't like it. So you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something else. I'm gonna try biology. And then you try biology, and then yeah, you maybe you like it a little bit, but then this awareness comes back, and you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm not I'm not really enjoying this either. And then you bump around and you do something else, and you can do that, and people do that for like a decade or like a, it's not uncommon for people to to switch degrees several times, and I can tell you, man, I'm very fulfilled in what I do for work right now. And I I had that thought of switching careers. And so I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, yes, I think this this awareness is 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 vital, but I also think that there's something to be said about momentum and about just, just committing to something for a little bit and 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 seeing how it goes. You know, because if you're always in this state of you know, this is the water, this is the water. I, I don't know if you can really move forward. And I mean, even, even Sam Harris in his, in that interview with, uh, with Chris Williamson, he was describing how he was getting ready for this interview and he was, he kept missing his wife, right? Cause he was so caught up in, in this moment. Now this interview is tied directly with Sam Harris's probably biggest goal in life, which is you know, to, to be a deep thinker and to be a philosopher and someone that's well-recognized and, and to gain wisdom and insight. And that, so that's a very crucial part of, of that overall structure. And he's in that process and that, that feeds that ultimate goal. But he did say, well, I had to take a moment and just be aware and just look at my wife and just give her like a genuine kiss and not just, not just, you know, say good, you know, say goodbye. And then you're at the door, like to actually be present in that moment. So this, you know, Sam Harris is someone who who preaches this stuff about being present, but even he admits that there's there's times in your life there's these these sprints where you have to just kind of get shit done, and maybe that's what David meant by discipline. Uh, and then there's also moments where you need to take open your journal and and write down where you missed the mark and where you are and what you're feeling, and take a moment to look at the sunset and look at the moon. Um, I don't know if that. <laughs> If that helped anything, I think it's a complicated question, but, um, but I guess what I would say is just, just, you got to commit at some point, but you also have to be aware and, and, and build in awareness moments so that you don't veer too far off the path. Um, but also you got to commit to something at some point, right? Yeah. I wonder if, I mean, the thing of momentum and committing to something um like it it seems like this idea like both of those things can like coexist in a way like in in the way of um awareness presence mindfulness like whatever you want to call it um can exist, you know, heading toward a, a particular port, if you will, to think in, in Seneca's type of line. But of that, uh, like in the way of Harris, like he noticed, he was able to notice, like that is, that's no small thing. Like I think sometimes we, in a way, we're not aware that we're not even aware, you know, we're not even noticing 
like for that um in uh, in Wallace's thing like awareness of what is real and essential like the only way we notice that like you know Harris is talking about this thing of a proper goodbye to his wife that you know life is uncertain may never see again you know this could be his last you, know, you just never know he's obviously talking about memento mori quite a bit um but like you have to know what is real and essential like what truly matters to even like i think that's like that example of like the real and ex essential like back what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation in the way of virtues for example like if that's not a part of your operating system there's nothing to notice like you know it's just not even a it's not something you can catch yourself the only reason like in that example he caught himself is because that is something that is essential to him you know, this, his wife, this, the most important person that, you know, um, but that's, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think a lot about the, <clears throat> like the clarity thing of like what truly matters, like how, um, specific can you get in a way, you know, like what's real in a, in essential because that thing of like, this is water, like, well, this is life, like it applies right now. Like that thing of what is real and essential, it's right now, and now, and now. And um, like, we can think it's something else, like maybe it doesn't apply when we're at work, or it doesn't apply when we're at home, or it doesn't apply when we're, you know, meandering through the grocery store type of type of thing um yeah it's 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 fascinating though yeah it's i think the hard part is is like you said being clear about what you want what your goals are it's like i want a good relationship with my wife and i want i want to climb up this mountain being very clear about that but the danger of this of this grind and this momentum is that sometimes you you lose sight of that bigger picture because you're so focused on this this immediate step so sam harris he's running around and all he can think about is he's going to be 15 minutes late for this interview which is tied in with a very big goal in his life and it, it, it's very meaningful for him and so he's just he's just caught up in that he's caught up in this this 15 minute late thing which is that the most important thing like if he were to sit down and meditate for a while and come up with a list of what's really important in life, what's really important, not subliminally important. I like being on time too. That's important to me. It's not, I wouldn't put it on my list of deep, deep values. I'm sure that 15 minutes being late thing, it, it wouldn't, it'd be so far down on the list, man. You wouldn't even see it. And so the, the danger is, is that it's getting on that train and and just not not being able to check in with yourself to understand what your real priorities are it's like yeah 15 minutes late i don't like that but i can be 15 minutes and 30 seconds late and give my wife a proper goodbye mm -hmm. 
and then I'm living according with my values. Yeah. Like the, uh, the attention thing, God, I made this quote. I, I, I took this, uh, quote cause I just absolutely love it from, um, Simone Vey. There's a chapter in, uh, Eric Weiner's book, The Socrates Express, How to Pay Attention, like Simone Weil. And she says, um, it's really like hyper-focused on on this thing of attention. Obviously, like Epictetus as well. There's so much, so much on uh, paying attention. But she says, uh, attention is a moral virtue. It's no different from courage or justice. Um, but she goes on to say that like attention is not concentration like we think attention how i in, until kind of uh reading some of her work we think of it like narrowing like i focused on just this moment you know um but she says actually like concentration constricts you know it's like this little spotlight but attention expands um and when you think of that example, like you were talking about in terms of like Harris, you know, it's like you think of like focused on getting to this particular whatever event you have on your next calendar. But really attention based on what uh, Vey is saying is that it expands so you can see like your wife, this and that, you know, it's like how do you have a, a broad um, perspective? But she goes on to say that... Um, like concentration in a way tires. It's like an exhausting thing. Attention rejuvenates us. Um, and, and lastly, she says concentration is more like you would think of as like focused thinking where attention in a way is thinking suspended. You know, it's just like a more mindfulness thing of, uh, you know, just simply like what is, like what is, um, going going on like what is back to that thing of uh wallace like what is a real and essential right now yeah that's really cool yeah it's it's mm. difficult because especially oftentimes there's two things exactly there's like this that's, and what, I that. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what i was thinking that's yeah. what i was thinking because i would because what I was thinking is that how, so I I was just gone from home for about three weeks and I was in, I was home for like a day in between or something like that, but I got home last night from all this traveling for work and I just, man, just the bliss and I'm, I'm not overusing that word. Like I mean bliss just to sit in my reading chair and <laughs> Like, man, you have no idea. And then I, you know, I think about that and I think, well, like, I always enjoy that. I always enjoy sitting in my, in my reading chair and reading a book, but, but it's not always blissful. And I think, like, could I make myself more aware of that and be more blissful, you know, when I'm, when I'm home, let's say for a longer stretch, or do I need to go through these waves, as you said, this kind of like you, you're holding these, these two things are important. It's like, it's like being home and being in, in the comfort of, of, of my, my home with, with, you know, what makes me kind of feel welcome and, and, and sound. Yeah, that's really important to me. But, but what also is important is, is going out into the world and, 
and experiencing things and, and, and building relationships like that's important too. So this is what makes life so freaking hard is because to your point, there's never one focus. Like there can't be, it's like, we have all these paradoxes, right? We have all these paradoxes and we're just trying to balance these. And sometimes the best way or the only way to balance such things is to kind of fluctuate. You know, you, you there's going to be times when you're more into the gym. There's going to be times when you have a better relationship with your wife. There's going to be times when you're really into your work. And then there's times when you're not. And, and, and that's okay. Given that, given that your life is, is, is fundamentally meaningful to you and that's okay. It's really okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with letting go an old hobby that no longer fulfills you. Maybe you're picking up something new. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that again, as long as that you have that, that fundamental, um, uh, meaning in your life. Yeah. I think visuals are so helpful. At least they are for me. There's one visual that a, a podcast guest was talking about around here, like values and goals. So say you have like a garden in your in your backyard. Values and goals, they're both important. You know, it's like everything in the garden matters or else you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have planted it. You wouldn't have written down this particular thing. Um but this particular guest like differentiated values and goals is like values are these things in the garden that are really more important than the other. You know, it's like in that back to that example of like, yeah, going to that particular podcast, that's a goal. You know, like as you talked about, that's, that's something important. That's a goal. But in the way of this other thing, that's a value and however you label it, talk about it, think about it. But the thing is like, how do you back to the thing where I, I think there's this need for clarity because you're going to have these competing things like a lot, all of the time. Like, you know, it's this and it's that like how quickly in the fast paced thing, do you know, it's like, Oh, well, this is a value. This is a bit more, you know, critical. We've talked like before about the, like the regret thing. Yeah. This is however you think about it. That's helpful of yeah, this, this matters. You should be able to discern. And I like the word discernment. Um, cause it's, it's really just like wisely picking between the two. It gets connected with like the spiritual traditions and stuff. But I, I think like how do you make the wise choice and quickly discern what matters? Cause you're still going to maybe do both, but you know, sometimes there's a thing that you put on the back burner and do this and then come back to it. But oftentimes we can put on the back burner, the thing that's actually really, really important to us. And we're over here doing this other thing that is just uh, yeah, it's important. Yes. It's this and that, but it wasn't quite as critical as that thing we put on the back burner. Oh man, I love that so much. That was really well said. And you know, I think, I think this is a realization I had the other day. Uh, I was just driving somewhere, and I, I was thinking, and I, I realized that probably for the first time, this might sound funny, that I, that I was actually, I'm actually a philosopher, and I, and I don't mean I'm a Nietzsche. I don't mean I'm a Dostoevsky. I don't mean like I'm contributing to the field of philosophy. 
What I mean is that in, in, in the terms that you used, I'm willing to give up my goals if I can keep my values. Mm. I, I had this realization. I was thinking about work and, you know, I, I love my work and I love my, the company that I'm with and, and it's, it's going really well. But I, I, I got thinking on this, like, like if push came to shove, would I let this job go? Like if, so, if, if someone was asking me to do something that I didn't think was right, not from, not from like an engineering sense, but just, just from like a character sense that I was like, no, I like this, this is against my values. Like, would I do it? And I realized that, no, I wouldn't. Like I, I would 100%, like I'm a philosopher before I'm an engineer. And, and so I love that because you really gave me some clarity on that because what happens is a lot of people, they get so focused on goals that they lose sight of their values. And that's when you start to lose your character. It's when you're losing sight of your values in pursuit of your goals. And if you're doing it right, you can align those two. They're not always against each other. They can't be. But I think, you know, I think I have, I have a better idea of what a, a, I don't know, maybe you, do you have a better word for like a philosopher that's, you know, not like a Nietzsche, but just, just like a, a, a practicing philosopher, a practicing Stoic. It's like just that idea of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live by my values. And this, this being an engineer thing. Yeah, that that's important, but I'm going to live by my values. That's that's really the most important thing. Yeah. Sometimes I don't um resonate as much with the word philosopher. There's a a quote I like um from Hume where it says something I'll I'll paraphrase, but it's like yeah, amidst all your philosophy like blah 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 like still be a human, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, and, and obviously like that comes up in anything. It's the same thing as <clears throat> I know something you deeply believe in, in terms of embodying this, it's like philosophy as a way of life. It's about, you know, how do you, how do you put this stuff into practice? Um, but there's something like very human, like about that of just um like like even that thing of uh like this is life like it's um i uh i started this uh series i'm doing these i think i told you but i'm doing these like letters every thursday like letters to a young seeker <clears throat> obviously i like the word uh seeker a bit in the way of just this like the search thing. But uh, the first one I did was uh, around like, like don't forget to live. You know, there's the memento mori, the memento vivere, you know, it's like meditation on life type of thing. Um, like amidst all like the reading, like the seeking, the like fill in the blank with anything, like don't forget to, live and I, I mean that's in some way of just like actually I, I'm, I'm not sure I fully know what I mean now that I'm trying to put it into words but something along the lines of like you know like don't forget to laugh don't forget to live don't forget to not take all of this so serious 
of whatever it is, you know, like life in, in general. Um, don't forget to relax because, uh, I don't know, like back to these three guys, like, like Anthony Bourdain and, uh, you know, and I'm sure like the whole mental health thing is super complicated and I don't know, you know, any, anything about it really, but I mean, I almost wish it's like some of these people like, oh man, like, yeah, don't take it so seriously. You know, I was like, like watch the office for a bit as we, <laughs> we were chatting about how can you, you know, remember to, uh, watch a marathon of something that makes you laugh. And and that's where like the thing of the virtue is the only good stuff. Um, I, I know the Stoics are not necessarily talking about like being against all sorts of other stuff. Um, but sometimes you hear that like virtue is the only good and it, like we want to connect it with courage, you know, or something like heroic, something big. Um, and like, how do we make it small? Like, how do we relax a little bit? Like in terms of, uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's like a middle way between that and like the Epicureans in the way of like pleasure. Um, because I'll tell you, like, I was thinking, uh, like I do game night with my family sometimes where you play like board games and stuff. Um, like, yeah, maybe you could tie that to some sort of like virtue, but it might be a stretch. You know, it's really just, it's like having fun. You know, it's like playing games with my kids, you know, like, is there anything virtuous about Monopoly? <laughs> like playing the board game Monopoly? No, probably not. But it's still like critically important aspect of life, you know, to laugh, to come together, to break bread, you know, all of these things. Like, how do we just remember to relax a bit? you know, in, uh, and live. Yeah. And I, I think if the, if the Stoics were to, I think they, they, the phrase they would use there is, is being pro-social. Yeah. Uh, and it's not always that because I, I even have an example again. <laughs> yeah. So got home from this work trip again and last night, so I'm on this, I'm on a bit of a health kick where I'm, I'm trying to just really dial in my diet and really dial in everything. And one of those things is, is not, is, is kind of getting away from alcohol. Not that I drink a lot, but you know, I'll have a couple of drinks, uh, on, you know, one or two nights a week. And so I get home and I'm, I'm exhausted, right? Like I'm, I'm tired. I've been, I've been working long hours. I just had a long 10 hour, nine hour drive and I want a glass of whiskey. <laughs> like really bad, right? I'm like, yeah. like it was just like, I just got home, you know, it's, it's a bottle of whiskey. My friend bought me that I really like. I didn't know anything about it. I, I just want to pour it up in my glass. I want to sit in my chair and I want to have a small glass of whiskey. And I'm literally Googling studies on <laughs> how, 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 uh, how one drink of alcohol reduces the quality of your sleep. By what percentage? And I found out it's like 9% or something crazy like that. So I'm literally, like, I'm Googling this. And I'm looking at different sites, right, trying to, like, find the truth. And I just kind of had this awareness moment that you mentioned where I was like, why don't I just have a glass of freaking whiskey? It's like, why don't I just 
why don't I just not take this so freaking seriously here for a second? It's like, it's not like I'm going to get loaded tonight. It's not like I'm going to stay up till three o'clock. I'm going to have one drink. It's going to be amazing. And then I'm going to go to sleep. And why does it matter if my sleep quality is 9% less that night? (laughs) But that's exactly what you were talking about, man. We get caught up in these goals and we get caught up in like, this is so important, man. It's so important that I, you know, live two seconds longer, (laughs) you know, by not having this drink. But then you you forget. It's like, no, all I wanted that night was to have one glass of whiskey in my house when I came home. Yeah. And I was and I was going to hold that from myself because I was committed to this goal, this this freaking goal that you know. Well, we even like demonize, say like, you know how like Netflix binge is kind of a bad thing. Like you're like wasting your life away uh, of a doing a Netflix binge on something like are like, why, why is that the case? That sounds like within moderation, a very good use of time, <laughs> you know, to watch something that is good, you know, around the, um, to keep it back of like the ancients, you know, like Seneca was writing plays and stuff like that, that people were performing, you know, it's like, uh, I, I love this quote from Montaigne where he says, uh, um, he says the best thing about Socrates, I've said it this many times, but the best thing about Socrates is that he, he spent time dancing and singing and felt it was like a good use of time. Yeah. I mean, cause like the game night, you could say like pro social. Yeah. It's like, you know, obviously this developing bonds as a family and stuff, but what, ju- what about just an individual thing? of listening to music, you know, like when it comes to some of these, like these three individuals that we brought up that unfortunately like took their own life, you know, it's like they probably had a favorite song, you know, like a favorite album, you know, when it came to that or like during some of these dark times, and I'm not saying like that's a, don't want to like overstate it. That's like something, but it's like, how do we remember to like do the things that we enjoy? Like <laughs> even like the Dostoevsky and uh, you, you got to have um, Julian Bagini on your podcast, the how to think like a philosopher. He opens every chapter with a quote from Dostoevsky. So it's like 20 chapters. There's 20 quotes and like half of them are from notes from the underground, I think. Um, But uh, like this thing of like, well, what is it that's making you miserable? Like, can you stop doing that? You know, what is it that's bringing you joy? Can you do more of that? Oftentimes, like the answer is yes. Not always, not everything but we do have a bit of agency to do more of that. Like some of this, uh, like I said, toxic positivity earlier, but some sort of like toxic self-improvement or toxic like philosophizing or, you know, hashtag growth thing. Like, yeah, like, like go work out for 45, 60 minutes a day, like whatever, read this and that. But also make time for, I mean, there can be a lot of joy in, in that type of stuff, obviously as well, but 
you know, whatever it is that, that brings you joy, like, how can you remember? And it seems like that is, um, like to me, what I was thinking in terms of the discipline thing that he was talking about, attention, awareness, and discipline, like the discipline of life is like a bit of that. Like, how do you have the discipline to actually like make the most of this life? And, and sometimes like, I don't know, we don't want to tie that to, uh, like, I don't know. We don't want to tie it in some sort of weird way to things that actually put a smile on our face. Or maybe I'm thinking about that wrong. Like, I don't know. Do you ever, you, you get what I'm saying? hundred percent, man. Uh, you could even say that, that, that speech from David Wallace, he's talking about this monotony of life. You could even phrase it, you know, when you're in that moment, you, sometimes you think like, Jesus, where's the music? Like, why can't I hear the music? And, 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 and I've been in these phases of life as well. You know, it's, it's like, it just feels like there's no life to to your experience right now. It's like, you're in this, you're in this just rhythm. And, and, and it's, it's not that it's a bad rhythm. It's not that it's a good rhythm, but you don't, to your point, just take a moment to, to do things that you enjoy. You know, and, and and it's such a shame and it's, it's a tragedy that you tend to lose that as you get older. And I, But I think you get an opportunity to rekindle that when you have children. And I'm sure you, you would agree with that. Is like, to me, I've always thought children, you know, I got my nephew coming to visit tomorrow for two weeks and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and it's like, like, it's an opportunity to to do what you what you're talking about, to, to just enjoy life. Like we're going to go to a water park. And I'm not looking, I'm not doing it because I want him to have fun. Like, I want to have fun too. Like, it's, like I want to yeah. go and it's, and it's going to be a, a fun time. I'm going to go down water slides and, and be out in the sun and, and probably eat some food that I, that's not aligned with my big goal of living five seconds longer. And so I think that's a beautiful thing that children do that for you. And, and, uh, and you would know about this way more than I, but I know for me personally that, you know, when I see, when I get to spend time with, with, with uh, my nephew or my brother when he was younger, like that's what it was. It was this call to enjoyment. It wasn't about, you know, getting better at my career. It wasn't about becoming more fit. It's just, it children are just a call to enjoyment because that's what children fundamentally are. Um, So if you're missing children in your life, (laughs) you know, it's uh, a, you know, something I've been thinking about like related to that, uh, all of this type of stuff is um, if if you hit it, hit it with the dichotomy of control, like of like, well, what's within your control? You know, obviously in that particular passage, like uh, Epictetus doesn't say like playing good music, <laughs> you know, it's like doing, but I don't think they're like opposed to that. They obviously, you know, it's like, how long can you go on? what's within your control. Like there are many things in, uh, as Wallace talks about, like, what do you worship? He's not necessarily coming from a, some sort of Christian or any sort of religious perspective, but he's saying like, we all worship something. Like we all have beliefs. We all have some sort of faith. Like, are we worshiping money? Are we worshiping like status? Probably all of the things that he listed 
are probably those things that are outside of our control from that dichotomy of control. But we forget like that, that joy, that music of life, the things that put wind in our sails. Like, how do we know what those things are? Because like that garden of uh, like our values, our goals, it's like, yeah, maybe in there is like, what are the activities that literally like light me up? Like you, you're into strength training, you know, like that, like, how do you know? And then just notice when you're not like incorporating if you think about like this art of life, like any, like a recipe, like <laughs> what, did you put any, <laughs> did you put any uh, strength training in there? Did you put any reading? Did you put any listening to music? You know, these are all things that are generally speaking within our control on a, on a daily basis. Like we have agency over a lot of these things. We think about it from a recipe standpoint of like, what are we putting in to this is life? Like this is, is life, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, another re- very recent example that you're a part of is, is recording you and me recording conversations. Cause it's been, yeah. you know, pe- people don't know this cause they just see the episodes coming every two weeks, but like we, like we haven't chatted much in the last month or maybe even two you know, cause I've been, I've been extremely busy with work and you've been, you've been busy with your kids and you know, cause it's summertime and that like these conversations are something that I, I really enjoy. And yeah, you know, I, 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 like, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure yet for the last two months or so, like we've kind of been, you know, not <laughs> yeah. really doing it. And, and it's, it's yeah. not because it's not because we don't want to, it's not cause we have nothing to talk about. What is it? It's just a, just a lack of a lack of awareness. Is it a lack of, I don't know, just just a realization of 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 how enjoyable that is, and we we forget sometimes. And 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 I mean, it's so interesting because you have these moments in life sometimes where you you find yourself doing something that you used to do that you loved, and then you and you get that spark again, and you get that feeling of like, damn, like I used to love this. <laughs> and and it's it's such a beautiful feeling but it's also tragic because you realize that you're no longer doing that thing that you you don't have that anymore and and maybe that's a call to get your shit together and incorporate some of that stuff but it does seem that like life just kind of gravitates to to us just not doing those things and then you know, I think most people near the end of their lives, they, they have to reevaluate a little bit and think, well, you know, what am I going to do when I retire? Like, what, am, what do I want to do? What, what do I really enjoy? What can I, where can I get, get joy out of, out of this life? And what, what really, what, what sparks me? And, and a lot of people lose that in their, in their dogmatic approach to improving their careers. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. It's it's always a pleasure, man. And that's probably a good spot to uh, to wrap it up. Um, paradoxically speaking, on Substack, check it out.